Nation Wrestling. Welcome to episode number 54 of NWA Crack and Roll. I am your host, Sean Kidd, and we are here for the second and final part of July of 1986, where we're going to finalize everything Great American Bash here tonight. But before I begin, I would like to introduce my co-host for the evening. Up first, Colin McDougal, how are you tonight? I am wonderful. I am very calm after the last after the last um, conversation that we had. Um, about how disappointing um, the last episode was, but I'm going to come in. I'm going to be very um, open, uh, open-minded. I'm going to be very level-headed, as I always am, um, and 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 hopefully we can we can see some we can see some good stuff or talk about some good stuff. All right, excellent. I'd like to talk about good stuff um, because the prior conversation, uh, Scott Shiflet, uh, <laughs> I can hear a little tense tenseness in. Uh, Colin's voice, and it's probably your fault. How you doing, Scott? Everything's always my fault. Um, I'm doing all right tonight. Like Callum said, uh, the first half of uh, July of 86 was not the greatest. It was more like the Great American Turd. So let's see if we can end this on a high note at least. Well, I can certainly say we're probably not going to start it on a high note, unfortunately. Uh, But Logan Crossland, good evening. How are you? I'm doing great, Sean, and yeah, hopefully this uh, second half will not disappoint us as much as the first half did, but we'll see how, We'll see as we get into it. Yeah, we won't recap uh, the last episode too much, with the exception of we were all vastly disappointed. Um, it made us question ourselves as wrestling fans due to mainly uh, Ricky Morton versus Ric Flair, and again, I'm hoping for some better feels coming out of this second, uh, this second half of July to see what we get out of this. So we're going to jump right into it. You guys ready? Yes, sir. All right. Let's do that. All right. So your champions have not changed. Uh, they are still Ric Flair, uh, world champion, U.S. champion, Magnum T.A., your tag team champs, the Midnight Express, your TV champion, Arn Anderson, your junior heavyweight champion is Denny Brown, uh, your six-man are the Warriors, Dusty Rhodes, your national is Tully, and your mid-Atlantic champion is Bart, Black Bart. So we're going to jump to July 19th, 1986, and we are going to NWA Pro Wrestling again. And once again, we have... This random four or five minute match, uh, and it's a Rock and Roll Express versus two more of Paul Jones' army, uh, the Barbarian and T. Joe Khan. 
making his second appearance uh, in the month of July. And I think these might be the only two matches that we've watched this month um, with Tijo Khan. And I think we all immediately hope we never have to watch any more Tijo Khan ever again. Uh, the first note I had was if they had actually done something with Khan and maybe kind of made his makeup and tried to do something with him, I kind of felt like him and the Barbarian could have been kind of a little bit of a precursor to the Powers of Pain, which we'll talk about in 1988 when we get there. So I almost feel like they could have done something with Khan, but they also probably realized how terrible he was in the ring. So anyway, we get a hot start with the Express hitting two suplexes on Khan, one a double one, and, a, um, and one was a double one, which was also good. And the crowd, again, is deafening. Um, and Cornette just shits on the crowd, which is fantastic. He also shits on the t- uh, teeny boppers coming to the Super Sizzler tour, which um, three of us covered <laughs> in the June watch, which is a very uncomfortable thing to uh, talk. I think about. I'm on some list. Yeah, that was a very uh, that was a very uncomfortable thing to talk about. He hates uh, Cornette hates the Express, and he's sick of them. The Rock and Roll Express keep control for a while, but Morton gets press slammed by Barbarian. There's a big boot to the face as the crowd chants Rock and Roll very annoyingly. Uh, there's a double clothesline on Morton at one point, all four get in the ring. Morton's tossed outside, then he hits a sunset flip, coming back in on Khan for the three. And Khan, once again, is the jobber of the Paul Jones family and absolutely sucks. Four-minute match, pretty standard. I might go one and a half just because the Rock and Roll Express were pretty good at what they did, but this is kind of a nothing match. Uh, Schiff, I'll go to you first. What do you think? Uh, as I said before, TJ Khan might be the worst wrestler ever, other side of Todd Champion and uh, Chip the Firebreaker. Um, I will say uh, Morton did have a nice slide at the very beginning underneath Khan, and they had a nice double suplex. The crowd was molten for rock and roll. Um, for, bar- for this fucking match, too. That made no sense. Yeah, and um, I will say Barbarian, like, I, I don't know if I had, like, a brain and ear situation here, but um, Barba- I just had Barbarian has a nice choke and drop to Morton. So, like, it wasn't like I'm a sorry, choke. sorry, a, ni- a nice what? Choke and drop, like he lifted him up, choking him, and they just dropped him to the ground. It wasn't really a choke slam. I really don't know what to call that move. So if someone wants to tell me that, whatever that is. Choke and drop. It's like, it's like the, the, what, the Great Khali's Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, Morton then got the sunset flipping. So I want to star in three quarters. Like, uh, it was just, ugh. Yeah. I mean, standard kind of <laughs> very high, 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 high score there. Uh, Column? <laughs> I'm, yeah, um, Morton can make anyone look good, um, with his with, with his selling and and Gibson to be fair, both of them, uh, even can um and Barbarian, um, it, it sounded to me as if it was quite off putting. It, it, it seems like Bob Coddle kept calling Can TJ, um, as in Total Diva Star TJ Wilson, um, so like so it was quite. It was, it, I couldn't get past that. Um, the the crowd really do love the Rock and Roll Express though, and this one, I mean, it was it was a standard standard TV match, nothing nothing more, nothing less. But I, I went I went one and a half. Okay, uh, and Logan close us out. Yeah, I went one and a half. It's good to see uh, Ricky uh, with some fire right off the bat in this match after watching the two slog fests we had to watch in the last episode. Um. 
Barb hit a pretty good, uh, pretty sick big boot at one point. I thought that was a pretty good shot that he delivered. Uh, this isn't too much more than a showcase for the rock and rolls, but it was nice to see Morton not look like crap. Like I felt like he kind of looked like in the, uh, I, I don't think he looked like crap. He was actually probably the better part of both of those matches, but uh, I just liked seeing him kind of fired up and really kind of going at it early and, and, and often. So uh, I went one and a half like you guys. All right. So yeah, so good energy. Like the rock and roll express have good energy. The crowd was good. And they were Rock and Roll Express doing Rock and Roll Express things, which is what we want, right? We don't want to see a lot of, like, nose work. And this was just good. Very, very good for a squash match. So, um, all right, we'll move on. Uh, The same weekend, also July 19th, we're going to the Saturday night show. This was taped on July 17th, so aired two days later. Um, It is the Great American Bash show for Columbia, South Carolina. Um, It is also a sellout there. So here was the card. It was the Warlord. Versus Gene Ligon, Ivan Koloff versus Todd Champion, National Heavyweight Champion Tully Blanchard versus Ron Garvin, Don, Don Kernodal pinned the Golden Terror, the Warlord pinned Vernon Deaton, Todd Champion make a second appearance of the night, taking on Crusher Khrushchev and getting beat. Could you imagine seeing two Todd Champion matches in one night? Two uh, Warlord no, matches too. Yeah, yeah, two Warlord matches too. Nelson Royal pinned Mitch Snow. Uh, Mitch Snow is a somewhat decent average AWA wrestler, so that might not cousins of John and Al and Al. Yeah, no, he is a he's a wrestler. He's an AW, he's well known more in the AWA in later years. Uh, your NWA tag team champions have been on Express defeated Dusty Rhodes and Magnum TA versus uh, via DQ. Um, and then there was a Great American Bash report here that says um, we already talked about this. TA is down zero and three in the best of seven series, and we'll actually see match four tonight. Um, so we yeah. So we'll have three bats. So we have uh, the rest of the matches that were on this card tonight that we're going to watch. So there's two. So the first one is for the national title. And we get Tully Blanchard once again appearing, taking on Sam Houston. On our last episode, he took on uh, Wahoo McDaniel. And in this match, he's got Sam Houston. So Houston typical has this uh, lit fire to start. And the crowd is bonkers. Every crowd we see with Sam Houston loves Sam Houston. Uh, Sam Houston goes into a headlock. Crowd does not let up. It's just damn crazy. Houston busts out to busts out a cartwheel into a drop kick. David saying ride the horse about Houston on a fence, which was really a weird line. Um, basically comparing Tully to a horse and telling Sam to ride him. Tully slaps him and gets chased around a ring, but gets punched and suplexed back into the ring for two. Tully finally puts um, pulls his tight, smacking Houston head into the top turnbuckle. Tully throws Sam over the top on a rough distraction. Uh, 90-year-olds run up front and are pissed. There's a, like a big row of like older people up front, and they're super pissed at Tully. Uh, Tully j- I love Tully just picking Sam apart. Houston escapes a side headlock and runs the ropes, but Tully falls behind him and pushes him through the ropes to the floor. Uh, Sam has a really great rally on the bumping and the selling. JJ then hits Sam with uh, his shoe as Tommy Young, once again, is distracted. The grandmothers in the front row once again get upset. Sam gets back inside and gets control back. Uh, great punches on Tully. Tully gets a sick atomic drop out of the corner while Sam is doing mounted punches on the second rope. Slingshot suplex for three. All right, I might eat shit for this one. I love this match. Um, I thought it was great. I thought Houston's selling's great. The crowd is great. Um, I actually went three and a quarter stars. Houston, by the way, has never had less than a two-star match on this show. And it's a damn shame he wasn't a bigger star. Like, I envision him and Wyndham could have been a great team in late 86. Um, 
And by the way, I hope Baby Star, Baby Doll was worth it because I really think she uh, kind of derailed his whole career. But I love this match. Schiff, I'll go to you first. What'd you think? I enjoyed this match too. It wasn't quite as high as you, Sean. I went two and three quarters. Um, I thought I loved like uh, when Tommy Young was distracted that Tully would just throw Sam over the top rope. It's awesome because they, he was hitting. It was a uh, gym floor, but and uh, you. <laughs> And there was no mats out there, and they were hitting like a straight up basketball like floor, and it was awesome. Um, I love Tully working the back. When uh, Houston got a sunset flip from a backslide, Crockett screamed out, "Drive that spine all the way up to his ears!" Which yeah, I was, he was on, Crockett was on his shit in this match. For sure. I was like, "Damn, okay." Um, and I liked how Sam was doing the ten punches in the corner, like he said, until he got a time and drop and hit the slingshot. The slingshot looked awesome. Um, yeah, like I said, two and three quarters, just a hell of a match. Like and like you said, I really hope Baby Doll was worth it. I mean, also Dusty probably shouldn't have been a little bit of a bitch about it. And um, yeah, but Sam, yeah. they they loved they loved him. Like you, you heard just as many shrieks as you did for the Rock and Roll Express from the females. And the slingshot suplex always looks good on those like tall, lanky guys. Just the visual, it always looks really, really good. Logan, what'd you think of this? Yeah, I went two and three quarters as well. I really enjoyed it. Uh, just another proof that Tully is the absolute man. Really solid match. Um, I really liked uh, Houston going for the pin immediately and kind of knocking JJ off the apron. JJ took a pretty good bump. Um, I don't really know. I, I haven't seen a ton of Sam Houston, but I don't know really know how truly talented he is. But he has a kind of a fire to him, and the crowd response is really good for him. That makes him an entertaining uh, guy to watch. I feel like so Logan on this show, we watched a lot of Sam Houston. <laughs> The dude never has under a two-star match ever. I mean, he is – I don't know how – it's just – maybe it is the fire, but he's actually really, really good. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and he looks he looks like a really, really young Shawn Michaels to me, so maybe that's why. Maybe he got that, like, by osmosis. Oh, hey, <laughs> I, know, hey, I, I never thought of that, but yeah, a little bit. Yeah, he, he, he really just looks just like him. But I know he's related to uh, the uh, Jake Roberts and all that crew, but, um, but yeah uh, – I really enjoyed it. I thought they both put in good work, but Tully obviously is uh, the master class guy in this one. Um, I, I also made the comment that Houston sure does spend a bulk of this match on the outside on his back. I feel like he got thrown to the outside about 10 times by Tully. Yeah. Either clotheslined out or thrown out, and he just would lay there on the gym floor. Uh, I like the aesthetic of it being on a basketball court. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one, like you, you guys as well. Uh, two and three quarters. All right. Column close this match out. Um, yeah, I was quite like, confident that this would be this would be quite a good one before before the match started because, as you say, um, Sam Houston has been one of the most one of the most consistent um, guys since we since we started, and I wasn't I didn't have a great opinion of him at the start, but he certainly um, yeah he certainly turned that around. Uh, I've also got the note about David Crockett saying, oh yeah, ride that horse. <laughs> Very strange. Um, I also got another, David Crockett trying to defend um, some Tommy Young bullshit. Um, fans will get on the back of the ref for not making calls, but he can't make calls if he can't see it. Um, to which I said, half the time he does see it and just chooses to ignore it. Or, or is just made to look like a complete and utter idiot. Um, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought it was a good match. Pleasantly surprised that it ended with sort of a, a relatively clean three count with the with uh, off the um, the slingshot. But no, I was uh, 
Yeah, I, 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 this this um this was this was uh, exactly how I thought it was going to be. I went two and a half on it, um, but yeah, certainly not 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 a bad match by any stretch of the imagination. I did I did thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah, so at least I feel like at least for the first two we've opened up, we've got about what do we out of the two matches? I think we got exactly what we wanted or expected. So maybe not as disappointing. So I think we're off to a much better start at this point. Good. I don't know how we wouldn't expect greatness out of this next match. And when I saw, when I found this um, and I saw this was part of the Saturday night show, I got excited because legit our favorite freaking team on this podcast as we started has been the Andersons. Um, and like Logan said in the last episode, Oli had a hell of a return um, in the month of June and which was made l- the first half of this watch uh, last a couple weeks ago. Very disappointing, but here we have Oli. He's tagging with Arn. And they are taking on the Rock and Roll Express. So the Rock and Roll Express are all over our watches tonight. But I went into this thinking there's no way in hell this match could not be a fucking banger. So let's see how it goes. So um, both teams want the tag team titles, which I think is cool is that you got these two teams. You don't see a lot of this in Crockett. Yeah, we saw the Crockett Cup, but you don't see like two big time teams feuding and both saying they want the tag team titles. Most of the time they focus their tag team feuds on the actual either the Russians taking on the Road Warriors or they focus it on your tag team titles. And I feel like here this is one that's different because neither one has the tag titles. Um, Robert Bales out, I'm sorry, Robert Bales um, out quick as both the Andersons try to double team him. Um, the camera shots out to the insane crowd on their feet. The crowd is on their feet this whole time. And once again, probably the, I, I could say it the whole entire match, the crowd is nuts. Robert does a flying head scissors into a drop kick on Arn. Uh, Robert doesn't fall for Arn's back in the corner bullshit, which is great. I love the Andersons and how they work and how Arn tries to learn back. And they do this a lot in Anderson's matches, but Robert didn't fall for their shit, which I thought was really good. Uh, Morton is in and slides between the legs and um, grabs them to drop Arn to his face. Then Arn sells like he died uh, um, as he went into a DDT. All four fight in the ring, and then only gets jacked by both. Um, it must be hot in there because the fans are fanning himself, and Arn is already drenched in sweat. Um, Gitson is thrown outside, back in. The Andersons do arm work. Um, the Andersons are really, really great at the limb work, and they actually look legit in everything they do with it. I think that's. I think the term limb work should come. I hopefully it came from what the R the Andersons do because nobody's better at it. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express later get a double snapmare to Oli, um, leg rolling forward and a double punching arm off the apron is a classic um, Rock and Roll spot. Rock and Roll Express work Oli's leg. Um, Randall Gore, there's a Randall girl in a black shirt um, in the crowd uh, on a camera that's wearing no bra and almost goes full girls gone wild, jumping up and down. Uh, Rock and Roll Express um, are doing equally great win work. And that's what I love about this. They're fighting fire with fire um, psychology and they're working the limb work because they know what the Andersons are going to do. And I think that's a really smart way to do this match. So I thought that was really cool. Um, Aaron eventually gets control and goes after Ricky's nose. Um, now nose guard free nose to so Ricky Morton note no longer in the nose guard here. Um, fantastic focus teamwork on Ricky and Ricky selling hard and at the same time fighting back. The Andersons are relentless on his face with knees and elbows. Uh, Ricky blocks a turnbuckle shot and overshoots a body press that knocks Arn silly. Um, David gets pure evil in his voice saying suck it up and get the tag, which I thought was really great as well. Um, Oli stops him from tagging and Oli goes up top to do a knee to the shoulder on Morton as Arn holds him. But Robert in and punches Oli in the gut on the way down. All four in the ring and the fight is on. Clearly all four tired and drenched in sweat. Robert blocks a gourd buster into a suplex. Um, there's an Anderson double team to Robert, but Robert gets a sleeper on Arn as the bell rings for a draw. 
Um, and then Oli in and Rick, uh, Ricky puts uh, him in a sleeper. And so we end this with a draw, um, both Andersons in a sleeper, uh, 20 minutes. I thought it was one hell of a match. Um, everyone should watch. And I, you could say the draw takes away from it, but it didn't for me because it makes me want more of this. Um, I thought it was a master class in tag teamwork and no offense to the Midnight Express. These are the teams I want to see fighting for the tag team titles because I think that's where it's at. I went the four, four, full four stars on it, and I might be overrating it, but holy fuck, I love this match. Column, I'll go to you first. What do you think? Um, yes, I I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed this one. Um, the, the the crowd, well, me and the crowd were all over the nose based offense, um, a staple of the the Rock and Roll Express matches that that we've been watching. Um, but I also loved the um the story that the Rock and Roll Express were focusing on Oli's leg, um, because it was it was like this is their this is them getting their their revenge on everything that the horsemen and Oli and Arn had done to them and uh, uh, the majority of the, the upper end of the face locker room for, for months. Um or since pretty much we started the since we started the the, 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 the timeline. Um the Yeah, so I thought it was I thought it was I thought the the whole the whole story around the the the, the, the limb work and the nose work was, was fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was just, uh, this is, um, this was just, this was just excellent, um, for, and, and, and for a, for a TV main event as well, the, the Crockett have been really good at, at bringing stuff like that out, um, every so often you just get an absolute banger, um, on, on, on television, um, so I went four on this one, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Alright, so we got two fours, uh, Logan, I'll go to you, I'll go to you before Chef, what do you think? Yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. I went a little lower. I went three and a half, but I, I enjoyed it just as much as I think you guys did. Uh, the amount of uh, female screams in this match uh, tells me that we were all not adults at the correct time to be a wrestling fan because I think we could have gotten a lot, lot of, lot of snatch after some shows. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, at this point in the show, I feel like. I feel like I had watched it all in like the same day and just the screams constantly and constantly for the rock and roll express kind of, uh, kind of got grating at this point for me. So I think that kind of took away from it. I was, I was constant. I, I wanted to mute it, but I kind of wanted to hear the uh, commentary at the same time. It but, could uh, be very, it could be very annoying because you can't hear anything but the kitty boppers and the crowd. Yeah. yeah. It got kind of grating at this point, and it was like it was like that in a lot of matches in this uh, these two watches. But I mean, I get it; they're excited, and it, it this match was deserving of uh, deserving of that. Um, I, I thought Arn selling the nose on like a DDT was kind of dumb. I was kind of over that with the flare in the cage match earlier, but um, I, I got over that pretty quick. I thought the limb work by the Andersons was good on Gibson. Uh, Morton coming in off the hot tag was pretty great, taking it to the Andersons, just knocking them down, uh, really taking it to them on offense. Uh, I really liked that the Rock and Rolls uh, focused on Oli's uh, previous injured leg. I thought that was a good storyline work. Um, I love Morton bait, baiting Arn in, and they also work on his legs. Uh, I, I like that. Um, I know it happens all the time, but the momentum changing during the uh, commercial break kind of bothered me a little bit, but it's another thing that's just a little ticky-tack thing that uh, bothers me sometimes. But 
Uh, I love Oli actually grinding the boot into Ricky's nose. I thought that was what I called proper nose work. Uh, so, uh, you know, they, they, they've done a lot of nose stuff on this, but I thought him really grinding his boot on Ricky's nose was really good. But like I said, I went three and a half. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought the Andersons looked great, and I thought this was really what Morton could have, could and should have looked like in those matches with Flair earlier. Yeah, and uh, Schiff, I know we say it all the time, but Oli, Aaron Anderson's great, but holy fuck, Oli's just as great, in my opinion, in terms of what we've seen with him. So what did you think? Oh, I, I love this match. Uh, spoiler alert, this was my match of uh, all the, the whole month. Oh, um, yeah, I think that'll probably be the case by the time we're done for everybody, okay, I would imagine. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I love Ricky with no mask, and I still love that they were trying to break his nose, which I thought was awesome. We had our own little um, Oli getting ping-ponged around by Ricky and Robert, which I liked, and then Anderson's working on Robert's arm. Um, nice, and Ricky, like, loves that missile drop kick. I, the more I'm watching, the more he hits it, which, like I said, is pretty Are crazy you, to you see. You talk about that one that he flatbacks? Like, he literally flatbacks himself off the top rope. And yes. The top. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I really like that. Arn was selling, like, death when they were working his leg. Um, Ricky was just never saying die, and, like, I love, like, the Anderson's do list is, like, when one of them makes a tag, the other one holds on to the wrestlers. And Arn did that when he made the tag and held on Ricky's leg so he couldn't go. And then Oli did it as well. And I just loved it. I, I I'm like I love how um Arn tried to gourd buster and Robert reversed it and he hit his head. And I like they were all down and then like we got like the double um sleeper holds at the end. I I, just, I, I love this match. Go out of your way to watch this match. If you're gonna watch one on both of these pods, check that out. What'd you what what you rate it? Oh, four. All right, so we got three fours and a three and a half. So, yeah, I would definitely, um, up to this point, if you're going to go out of your way to watch any of them, watch this one. And um, spoiler alert, uh, we'll have more of these two teams facing each other when we do August in a couple weeks. So um, stay tuned for that. And we also know that we'll eventually get them in Star Arcade as well. A lot more to come from these two teams, but this was a great start. All right, so we're going to now jump to the final uh Great American Bash card we're going to cover uh, for July 26th in Greensboro. A pretty famous one uh, for many reasons, which we're going to talk about here. But the card, here's the card. So 15,000 sellout. Um, it's at the Greensboro Coliseum. Featured a concert by David Allen Coe. It had Steve Regal pin Sin Houston. Mid-Atlantic heavyweight champion Black Bart and a big barbarian defeated uh, junior heavyweight champion Denny Brown and the Italian Stallion. Uh, Manny Fernandez pinned Baron Von Raschke in a loaded glove on a pole match. Uh, Wahoo, again, defeats Jimmy Garvin. Not a good bash uh, month for Jimmy Garvin. I think he lost every single match. Uh, Tully and Tully Blanchard defeated uh, Garvin in a tape fist match. Paul Jones pinned Jimmy Valiant in a hair versus hair match that went four minutes, and now Jimmy Valiant is bald as well. So, um, pretty famous ending there to their feud. I would actually probably put that match here on the card, uh, but I couldn't find it because there's only four minutes. But um, more to come. Unfortunately, this feud is not over yet, but Jimmy Valiant is now bald, and Paul Jones pinned him here. So um, it was pretty big news at the time, and it was all over syndicated TV and everything when it did happen. So we have three matches that we're going to watch from this card um, that were in addition to the matches we just talked about. So the first one we're going to watch Immediately, I look at this, and I was not happy just because I feel like at least one of these teams should not be in it. So it's the Road Warriors and Baby Doll taking on Cornette and the Midnight Express, and immediately I go to 
I don't know how I feel about the Road Warriors being involved in this baby doll Cornette feud, especially after the tag team match we saw with them on our last show against the Midnight Express, which we love. So I was a little worried going into it. So Cornette, um, I don't know if you guys know what – looked like very 1984 Lawler tights, the Memphis tights he used to wear. That's what Cornette was wearing. looked like he stole them out of Lawler's closet. Um, initial thought is this match, like I said, is so not for the Road Warriors. Baby doll looks like she's going to a night at the country bar to get a one night stand. Um, she's not in wrestling gear. She's just kind of dressed. Uh, yeah. Like a mom who's trying to go out to get her one night out. Uh, Cornette doing pushups was amazing. Um, the baby doll arm drag on eating the start was pretty cool to see. Condry rams into Hawk and bounces off of him. Very similar to like the match we talked in the last episode. There's a double leapfrog spot by Hawk, which surprised me one forward, one backward, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, there's a boot to Condry's face, a press slam. Baby doll slaps Condry into a sloppy Hawk clothesline. Eaton in and gets beat up by Hawk. There's a tag to Animal, a double backdrop to Eaton. Bobby goes to tag Cornette, and Cornette runs to the top to avoid the tag. There's an Animal drop kick to Bobby and a press slam. Condry gets back in, body slam, Animal tags. Condry tags Cornette, who tags back out real quick. Um, Eaton and Hawk are back in. Hawk knows sells some punches. Later on, the Express gain control of Animal and double team him. Bobby um, comes off the top of the cage and hits a nice uh, fist bump. Uh, clothesline by Condry. Bobby back to the top of the cage. He gets caught on the way down. Hawk in with a power slam on Bobby and a flying shoulder block. All six in the ring. Cornette's trying to escape the cage. Baby, baby doll pulls him down, punches him, and we get the three count. Um, that was something. I'm not sure why this was in a cage. Uh, the Road Warriors in this match just seemed very off to me. Um, didn't really enjoy that they were in here. And the tag team champions, I thought, looked like complete ass and not good overall at the sake of making Baby Doll get her win over Cornette. I only went one star on it. I thought Baby Doll's work on that terrible freaking training video we watched last month was better than her ring time here. <laughs> um, and Cornette sells the punch long after the match is over. I absolutely hated this match. Schiff, I'll go to you first. What'd you think? Okay, so we had to watch the video with some annoying as fuck people like yes. doing their own commentary over it and it sort of killed me for it mm. um i will well, say i Cor turned it, i turned a commentary off because i didn't want to listen to it I, I tried to do that but then i realized i wasn't paying attention to the match so i had to turn it back on Same. um <laughs> cornette calls baby doll a big fat pig to start <laughs> yes i forgot to write that down yes he did yes. um yeah this was some, this was like a N nothing matched to me um like you know hulk beat down Condry just after we had seen like that hell of a match last episode like this just felt like nothing like and uh, one thing i also realized is crockett needs needed to stop using the cage because this is another cage match and this felt like our fourth cage match yeah. in the past two episodes and it's just like stop you're running the gimmick into the ground but you know dusty was on his bullshit then and wasn't gonna do it um I just did this half star. Like I would have to watch without the shitty fan commentary to to see what it really is. But they were so annoying that I was like, I just can't deal. I can't deal with this. So what'd you rate it? A uh, half a star. Yeah, I I don't think it would be any better with with commentary. Uh, Logan, what do you think? I I think it probably would have been better with commentary than the uh, the utter bullshit that they had over this video. The, those guys were fucking annoying. But um. I went one and a quarter. I, I liked seeing the Road Warriors kind of beat the shit out of the Midnights, uh, but that was the that was pretty much the only part I enjoyed. There's a nasty noggin knocker on the Midnights to start the match by Animal. 
Uh, Condry sure is pretty good at getting his ass kicked as he does a lot of that for the vast majority of the opening portion of this match. Um, I love that Cornette actively doesn't want to tag, doesn't want to tag in and basically is telling like Bobby Eaton to go back and get his ass kicked some more. Um, uh, I, I thought animal, uh, looked like a goon in the spot that, uh, was obviously supposed to turn the momentum, but he kind of dives directly at Bobby's knees instead of like Bobby pulling them up. So he kind of dove at him, but he kind of dove at his legs instead of Bobby kind of pulling them up as he was diving on his torso. So animal kind of looked like an idiot there. Um, but I, I was glad to see baby doll get a, get a shot in on a cornet and kind of get the pin over him. But, uh, yeah, this, this was just, this didn't look, make your tag champs look very good. And I don't know that the road warriors were, uh, probably who baby doll should have been with in this match. I don't know who else I would have used, but I probably would have used somebody else in this situation because like we said, it made the midnights kind of look like idiots because they got completely dominated for pretty much the second time in as many weeks. So, um, but yeah. All right. And Carla, what'd you think? So I will, I will tell you up front what, what, what my score was because that I think there needs to be some justification behind that. So I went on this one too. However, right. however, I thought it, this was only, I've only gone that because I thought this was a perfectly fine television match between the Midnight Express and the Road Warriors. The only reason it was in a cage and the only reason that, that, that this was a, this was, my last match was, um, or my last thing was, uh, where was it? I have a thing. I have a note, so I can't, I can't remember. I, I obviously didn't write, write it down. Oh yeah. You got the baby doll and Cornette payoff during a Midnight Express Road Warriors um, television match. So I, that's the, I think that's the only reason the cage was there and, and this match was happening because it was to facilitate that, that payoff. Um, having no cage and having no baby doll or Cornette would not have affected this match whatsoever. So I think... Yeah, you've got you've got an unfortunate distraction in the fact that everyone is waiting for these two to to, to face off. Um, and you did get there was a funny bit where Jim Cornette was would he would he would happily go in and 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 attempt an elbow drop on Animal because he was flat on his back. But as soon as Baby Doll came around and he ran right over and started climbing the cage again, so that there was a bit of comedy in there. But yeah, I've I've gone too on it purely for the fact that. It was a it was a it was a fine TV match. It's just not a super show match, and no need for it, no need for the other fluff around that. All right. So what I hear in that is, if you just had the Road Warriors versus the Midnight Express in this and took the Baby Doll and Cornette shit out, it would be a perfectly fine two star match. And that's probably what yes. it is. is the, yeah. the dynamic of that being the payoff with those two teams, I think, is what didn't work for the rest of us. So that's really good logic you just used there, Colin. That was actually very impressive. Thank you. For that. that was very good. That was very well done. I appreciate that. Logan's laughing. I'm being serious. I thought that was a really good analogy. So, um, these, these kind of people. Thing, but... I know. Yeah, I, it was it, no, it really no. Know, you know, Colin, would know when I'm being condescending. I'll, I'll, I'll take, I'll take what I can get. Yeah. So I thought that was good. <laughs> All right. So now we're gonna go to our fifth match of the night. Um, match number four. So it's kind of go time for Magnum TA in the best of seven. Is Nikita is up three and zero. Oh, so match number four here. Um. The intro uh, for Magnum TA, the vastly popular 
um, gets a big pop when they introduce TA. So I thought that was an interesting uh, announcing uh, to call him vastly popular. Uh, Tony points out uh, having a Russian as champ is a terrible thought, um, which probably wouldn't hold up too well these days. Maybe it would based on what's going on in the world right now. Um, I love the eye-to-eye standoff at start with Nikita taunting TA with like the hand signals and everything. That was really cool. Um, he puts up the he puts up the three and then he puts up the four. Um, TA nails Nikita with a forearm that sends Nikita outside. TA escapes a push in the, the corner. TA tries to reverse a headlock, but his hair is pulled. And of course, Tommy doesn't see it. Uh, Nikita muscles TA down in the map, but TA gets out and drops knees to Nikita's arm. TA pushes the corner to hit with shoulder blocks. Nikita lifts TA up with one hand. Um, drops him on the top rope. TA is caught with a boot to face on a rope toss. There's a backbreaker by Nikita for two, a body slam, and TA is thrown outside. Nikita then throws TA outside, ring to the other side. Of course, Tommy gets distracted by Nikita, allowing Ivan to kick TA. Nikita then throws TA outside again to the other side, and TA, uh, he really hits the stairs hard that they call it out. But when I went back and rewinded it, he really did hit those steps really pretty hard. So that looked pretty savage. Uh, TA is now a bloody mess. And then on this spot, TA gets a sunset flip back in and gets three after about eight minutes. And unfortunately for me, guys, um, Column and Schiff, we've watched probably roughly 20 TA Makita matches since January of 86. Uh, most of them have been underwhelming, but for me, this was another letdown um, in this feud. Makita um, is very green, and it's all power spots and literally tossing him out of the ring. And Tommy Young, no matter what match he is in, is the worst ref of all time. Um, the other note I made, it's kind of like what you said about the cage matches, I guess when you don't have that many eyes on it or you do all these rest spots and people don't see it, they're okay to do because one town doesn't know what's happening in the other. And these matches were never made to be watched at the time we're watching them in chronological order, which really pulls out some of the fallacies of what we're picking apart. So anyway, um, I went one and a half. It was okay, but really nothing great. And again, I'm still waiting for that big TA Nikita match. Colin, I'm going to go to you first. What do you think of this? Oh, this is this was um, this is rubbish. I there's no there's, I, there's no two ways about it. I think I, I'm I'm normally quite I'm normally quite higher or, or have been higher. Yeah. Sorry on 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 the Nikita Magnum matches than, than than others. Um, but this one was just this one was this one was rubbish. Um. I think people are now starting to catch on about the Tommy Young bullshit. I did hear a smattering of booze when he was announced as being the as being the um the referee for it. Um Magnum, we have seen that Magnum can have some very good matches. Um Flair uh, from from Saturday night and an AWA show at Kimaski Park and Starcade obviously. Um, but he's not he's not that good him he's not that good to be able to carry Nikita Cole off at, at this point. Who can also have some can also have some good matches if if he's in with within the right person. It, the thing that stood out to me, and I think I said that I said it to you guys as well, is the crowd were silent for this, and that's something we never say about Jim Crockett matches. The crowd were not into this one bit. Um, even Tony and David were were quite subdued in their commentary, so it was just I think everyone felt the same. I think it just nothing clicked, and they just wanted to get out there as quickly as possible. I've only gone a star on this one. I did. I thought it was rubbish. All right, wow, one star. You're like you said, you're usually the high one on these matches. So, um, Schiff, what did you think? And what did you go against, Sean? I actually went one and a half just because I felt like I should, but I could probably go lower if I had to. I don't really have a feeling. To be honest. Yeah. 
Yeah, this was only like a seven minute match, which I thought was weird in this best of seven. Um, I will say like Magnum pulling powering out of a headlock until Nagita pulled his hair, which I thought was nice because Tommy missed it. Um, then Magnum got his own hammer lock. And then the one arm suplex from Nikita and he dropped TA on the ropes was pretty mm-hmm. sick. And then him like just throwing him like a rag doll. And I didn't realize um, I thought it actually clipped ahead when he got like when he was bleeding. But um, you make a good point. He was bleeding after he hit the stairs, which I thought was like, damn, that hit pretty hard. And, um, you know, then Ivan got a kick. And then like I just I don't know. The sunset flip was like was okay, but we didn't need Tommy Young kicking Nikita's arms to like send him backwards on momentum. Um, I, I want a star and a half as well. Okay. Um, Logan. Yeah, I'm with Callum. I, I only want a star. Um, it takes like five and a half minutes for anything of worth or relevancy to actually happen in this match. So like Shift just said, it's only like an eight minute match. So the fact that it took that long to, for anything exciting to happen uh, is pretty, pretty bad. Uh, I thought it was pretty. I I, th- I thought it was pretty much a basic squash that uh, I was in Nikita pretty much squashed Magnum for uh, a good a good bit of the. And I thought it was pretty boring uh, all in all. Uh, and I said fuck Tommy Young uh, for basically helping and then fast counting for Magnum. So yeah, I wasn't a big fan of this one. Uh, I, I was I I expected this to kind of not be the best, but I expected it to be a little better than it was. And I definitely didn't expect down. Uh, 3-0 uh, that Magnum would get his ass kicked as much as he did, but uh, here we are. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, definitely not a stellar match. Um, in August, we'll see two more matches with them, including the final. So um, we'll see how those matches play out. I know in the annals of time, they have a great match. So I'm hoping um, on our next episode, actually, uh, it has to be our next episode because I think there's only three more matches left between them that we have in our order to watch before uh, TA's accident in October. So hopefully one of those three will be um, the match that we've all been waiting for. But this one certainly is not it and disappointing as well. So, All right. Um, our final bash match that we're going to watch tonight, because we do have a territory match we're going to watch um, after this one. Also a pretty famous one in the an- – uh, I'm not going to say annals because I'm going to say annals. 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 <laughs> Of time. Don't say angels. <laughs> I'm not, I almost said it, so thank you for correcting me, but it's on par for Sean, so I think it's forgivable. Um, it is a steel cage match. Dusty Rhodes uh, versus Ric Flair for the World Heavyweight title. And again, this is the upteeth match we have seen between these two, and we will see how this plays out. So again, world title on the line. Uh, Tommy Young, the fucking referee again. There's a nice stare down the start. Typical Flair, Woo shit, and Dusty strutting stuff to start. Dusty with jabbing punches and an elbow sends Flair to the corner. Dusty with an arm bar. Flair tries to toss Dusty in a cage, but he blocks it with his boot. Dusty does some more arm work. Flair very vocal and echoing through the arena. There's a sleeper by Dusty, an elbow drop for two. Flair um, does a, a punch to Dusty's stomach off the ropes. Throws Dusty into the cage multiple times. That makes him start bleeding. Uh, Flair does the knee, does the grinding Dusty's head in the cage spots that he did several times with Morton. There's a knee to Dusty's ankle, and it's brought up uh, that there's no ankle brace, so they're still selling that gimmick. Uh, Flair does the figure four, multiple two counts as Dusty screams no at Young about giving up. Uh, Dusty eventually reverses Flair and flips him over, um, and Flair works the leg. I'm sorry, and then uh, but he, uh, Flair flips him over again, and then Flair continues to work the leg. Dusty finally gets up, hits a clothesline for two. Flair tries to escape and is pulled from the, the cage again, the same spot we've seen several times. Dusty then throws Flair in the cage multiple times. Um, 
Flair is now bleeding. He climbs again and almost over, but Dusty pulls him in and bounces Flair off the top of the cage. Um, and then a headbutt sends Flair to the mat. Um, Dusty runs Flair ahead again into the cage. Flair up top and tossed down and Dusty figure four. Uh, we get a rope break again in a freaking cage match, which, again, I hate. Dusty cho- does some chops to the Flair, um, a backslide by Dusty for two. Close line and elbow to Flair for two. Flair um, goes up top again and... Um, there's a body press by uh, by Dusty for two. Flair into the cage for another Dusty two. Dusty misses an elbow. Flair goes to pick him up, and we get the out-of-nowhere small package for three. And the crowd goes nuts. David Crockett goes nuts. All the faces out to celebrate Dusty Rhodes. Since the beginning of this pod, has finally defeated Ric Flair for the World Heavyweight title. For context, this is the first time Flair has lost the title. Um, in two years, two months, and two days, the last time he won it was for Kerry Von Erich. So that's how long Flair has held the title. So big moment here in July 86, big moment. Unfortunately, the match for me was only okay. I only went two and a quarter, but from a timeline standpoint and story tam- history timeline, it's a big, big deal. So Colin, I'll go to you first. I didn't think the match was that big a deal. We've seen better from these two, so I went two and a quarter. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, this is one, and I think we, we say it every time, well, I certainly say it every time that these two face off, it could go either way, because they sometimes have they sometimes they have bangers, sometimes it's just paint by numbers because they're Dusty and Ric Flair, and they think that, they, that the match will get over because of who they are. Um, it was more to the latter than it was the former. I think it was there was a lot of stalling in it. At some points it was painfully slow. Um, I don't know if it was the camera or, or where they were but sometimes when, when Flair was shouting at Dusty it sounded as if he was in an empty room it just echoed and I thought that, that either the crowd aren't into it which I didn't I didn't think was the case or it was just it was just a bit strange I don't know if anyone else picked that up or it was just it was just me fixating on it for no reason Um. I didn't know what I didn't know what to make of it, and, and the finish sort of came out of nowhere. But I was also sort of expecting it at the same time. It was all it was all very strange. I went this this was a hard one to rate, so I think I just I've just I've just gone right down the middle two and a half, um, which again is sort of um, not in line. This was the other one that was on the GWCW list. I, I, what I think I'm, I'm, I think we're going to be quite out of line with um, on the whole about what the guys were saying before, we might all be well off um, the the consensus of the nation again on this one. Yeah, most of the reviews I read on this match went anywhere from three and a quarter, somewhere over four. Uh, what was it on the uh, what was that on the on the list? So it was seventy second on the list, um, an average of forty nine point six from eleven ballots, a low of one hundred, uh, but a high of eleven. It's weird, man, because I feel like we watched house show matches that we that when we did that series with the house shows. I feel like we saw house show matches that were better than this one. Yeah, but it kind of shows the well. I suppose that that shows the spectrum of it as well, because somebody thought it was it's one of the best, but it was only a hundred. But then somebody thought it was like just outside the top ten. But yeah, yeah th- we've definitely seen better from the two of them. All right, okay, uh, Logan, how about you? What do you think? Yeah, I definitely think there's probably better matches out there. Um, I I went two and three quarters on it. I thought it was a little bit better than the Morton matches earlier. I, I enjoyed it a little bit better. I love the jabs to start off and the elbows. Um, I, I like that little offense that he starts the match off with. I feel like it has kind of the same issues as the 
as the match earlier, uh, the two matches earlier, I, I feel like it got, got a little plotting and there was a little too much stalling and preening and stuff like that throughout. But I feel like there was a bit more energy at points in this one, um, just because I think Dusty brings it a little bit more. And 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 I I think I'd never commented on this, but Schiff said something earlier. I really genuinely thought Dusty had a chance to win, and I never really thought that Morton did. I think that was another problem I had with the match, and I think that might be just something it, that 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 bothered me I, I was like i never really bought in that morton would beat him even though flair tried to sell it that he would um but it, i thought it was big to see dusty win the title i thought that was a pretty cool moment and that's probably why i bumped it a little higher than you guys did but um yeah i thought i thought it was solid but i definitely 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 could see them uh pulling something out a little bit better all right and uh yeah so anyway and shift shift what about you I really enjoyed this. Um, I went three and a quarter on it. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just loved how like they brought back all the old history with Flair working Dusty's ankle that they broke before. Uh, Crockett and Tony both were harping back to that. I loved how um, Flair got a figure four and he got two with figure four. And then like Dusty reverses the figure four and Flair reverses the reversal. And like every time Dusty seemed like he um, had his back against the wall, he'd bust out a lariat. And um, and Flair would just like, you know, get his foot on the ropes or something, which I don't agree with. But like, I've come to expect that this is another cage match, guys. Another cage match, by the way. I don't, I don't know if we mentioned that. Another damn cage match. And, and more Tommy Rung ref bullshit in cage matches. Yeah. Um, I do love like at the very end, like they had some great uh near falls, which I love. Like the backslide, I was like, oh my god, Dusty's gonna win off that. And then, like, when Flair got the cross body block, I was like, oh, my God, that's how he's going to win. And, you know, then they went back and forth. Dusty gets a small package out of nowhere. I love that all the baby faces came out. It was just a hell of a match for me. I really enjoyed it. It was definitely better than anything of, of the Morton stuff. All right. So, okay. But you still, okay. So, for everybody, since that was our last, like, match watch of the bash, I think unanimously it would be Anderson versus Rock and Roll out of all 14, ma- or I'm sorry, out of all 13 matches we watched for the last two episodes, correct? Yeah, I gave that four stars, yeah. yes. All right. So, yeah, yeah so, so definitely some spectrums. I mean, you know, I guess for me overall, and I'll, and then we're going to talk about um, one more thing that happened in July, is most of the matches were probably average at best, and going into it, I think we expected more. And then we had some matches we expected more out of that were just flat out not great. So um, real quick. Uh, Colin, overall thoughts on the Great American Bash 1986 based on what you expected, based on what you got, and what history has told us what we were supposed to believe it should have been? Decidedly underwhelming. And, and unfortunately, um, I expected you hear all the great things about it. I think I said it at the start of, or the end of the last one. You hear all these great things about the, about the Great American Bash and how it was... I was just flair at his best in all these all these title matches that were outstanding and yeah decide uh, slightly disappointed. Okay, Jeff, how about you? Yeah, I was really wanting more from uh, Flair and Morton because like it had been so hot and with that it was just meh. And then like you know I knew Baby Don Cornette was going to be bad, but I didn't expect it to be that bad. Maybe they should have done like if like. You know, TA and Dusty win a tag match 
you know, as the James gang, even against uh, the Midnight Express, like a non-title, but like, you know, if they win, Baby Doll gets five minutes with Cornette. I think that would have been better than having Baby Doll attempt to wrestle. They did that. They did do that in some of the other uh, bash uh, areas where see, they won. Baby Doll got five minutes or something like that. I think that happened at least. But yeah, d- yeah, I hear you. Uh, Logan, as a guest star on the last four episodes, and I know you were very looking forward to it after our June watch. I, I, I want to hear your overall thoughts. <laughs> yeah, just overall disappointing, I'd say. I mean, s- some stuff was good. The you know the the Andersons versus the Rock and Rolls was really good, but I, I thought Tully was a real standout on these episodes. I thought he had some good matches. I thought he really pulled some guys that you wouldn't maybe expect a good match out of. I think he pulled a good match out of them, or as good of a match as he possibly could pull out of them. Um, I thought he really pulled through. Uh, Flair and Morton was very disappointing. Uh, like I said, I, I went I went higher on Dusty Flair than y'all did, but I definitely could see there being improvement there and their matches being a little tighter and uh, better than th- better than that one was, even though I enjoyed it. Um, but I, I wanted Nikita and TA to be a little better, but it, it just everything could have been better. Um, I would love to say I could see where some people would have enjoyed the stuff that we maybe didn't enjoy as much, but I, I really can at the same time. But, uh, yeah, as much as I was looking forward to it, kind of overall disappointing, I'll, I'll be honest. Yeah, I, I think if we had gotten the Garvin Tate fist matches, a couple of those, yeah, yeah. I think mm-hmm. Tully would have been 100% MVP, 100%. He already is in many aspects, but I can imagine Tully would have had a really great run on this. I think. Road Warriors um, Midnight Express match was good. I think um, again, Tully was the MVP. The Rock and Roll Express um, definitely. The Andersons were fantastic. But yeah, for me overall, being on this pod and watching the build and the feuds for a lot of these that we got tonight, probably a little disappointed in terms of how great the build was versus the match execution. So one of the reasons why we do this pod is to kind of see the build to these big events and how they actually turn out and. Um, gotta say Great American Bash 86 overall for me and I hate to say it and probably a lot of people would disagree um, even though the majority of us feel that way is we walk out of it feeling like it was average and it kills me to say it so we'll see uh, next month uh, we go into August let's see how August plays off what happened at the Bash because I think there's some exciting stuff that happens in August um, that might even potentially be better than the month of July so I actually look forward to doing that one I haven't watched any of August yet but on paper it looks like uh, one last thing to mention in NWA for the month of July. On July 30th, 1986, Baby Daw, Nicola Roberts, and Sam Houston, Michael Smith were married in Lubbock, Texas. That is how the month of July closed for Crockett. <laughs> Any comments, anybody, on that marriage and union, which will ultimately be the end of Sam Houston's career at some point here? Column, any thoughts? I was just baby dolls, by the way, too, not just him. But go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say it was the beginning of the end for Sam Houston. Good game. I mean, it sucks. Like, it just. All right, Logan. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Chip could get his words out. He's so upset by this union. (laughs) Start this pot. I just remembered him. (laughs) He just keeps going. Go ahead, Chip. Yeah, you cut out there, buddy. Cut out, Chip. Start over. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, you're um, good. I had no idea. Uh, 
yeah, I always thought Sam Houston was like a jobber, like, you know, but watching like, cause I would just read the PWI almanacs and like, it would be like, you know, him losing like the first or second match, but seeing these matches, like he was actually really good. And, you know, I know coming up, we have like the uh, Texas Broncos with um, Dustin Rhodes and Kendall Wyndham in a couple of years. You could, you could have added them, him in that little, little trio, but wasn't meant to be sadly. Uh, Logan, any thoughts? I mean, you probably don't know, you probably don't know the extent of what this does to Sam Houston and Baby Doll, but any thoughts on this marriage union? I I think I, I think they go into it a little bit on the uh, the dark side of the ring on the whole uh, oh, yeah. Smith Smith family. So yeah. I know a little bit from that, but yeah, it, it's sad to see. He seemed like he had a promising career in front of him. So I mean, if he he really goes out pretty soon, it, it's sad to see him go cuz uh, like you said, I feel like you've commented on previous episodes that you've enjoyed most of the stuff you've seen from him. So uh I, I think he could have been a, you know, a good mid-carder going forward. So if, you know, if he's really going out at this point, it's kind of sad to see him go. Well, I'm not sure if this is the last we'll see of him. Yeah. Um I do know, I think in the month of September he goes to Continental Wrestling before he goes to the WWF where he has a pretty semi-main event run in that whole Danny Davis fiasco that comes out. So he wasn't terrible there either, but he does kind of become that mid-card, uh, kind of the same wrestler that he is here where he takes the majority of the losses with a few wins in there. And uh, big, uh big turn of events happen with Baby Doll in the month of August, which we'll talk about when we get to, get to August. So I wonder if what happens here in their marriage uh, causes that to happen. So we'll talk about that in August. All right, so we have one final thing to talk about tonight. We are going to add – we did add a territory spotlight match because in the middle of the Bash 86, a very big, momentous thing happened over in the WWF on their syndicated show on the weekend of May 19th. And this was a tag team match of Hulk Hogan and Paul Orndorff versus uh, King Kong Bundy and John Studd. Um, and this match famously launched – the Orndorff-Hogan feud that everyone talks about with the, the big event match and things like that and really was the precursor to Hogan's, you know, big feuds that would happen over the course of his career. So this is kind of the first one. It's also the first one where one of his friends actually turned on him, and this is the precursor feud that happened prior to the big one with Andre. So uh, this is also my first big feud I jumped on as a wrestling fan in the WWF. It was a very simple build. Orndorff just needed Hogan's help against the Heenan family. But when Orndorff called Hogan, he missed the call because Hogan was at the gym. So here we are for this big match on syndicated TV. And we see in the back, Orndorff is still a little pissed at Hogan for not picking up. And Hogan's trying to justify how Orndorff should know how when he gets in the gym that he's busy, brother, and basically tells Paul to get over it and to get his head right. He comes across kind of as a dick. And in retrospect, if you think about it, if you were watching it live like I did, it was pretty obvious uh, where this was building to. But to a 13-year-old, you're oblivious. But anyway, um, even on the entrance, Hogan butts in front of Paul on the entrance in the way, on the way to the ring. Paul's out front, and Hogan immediately like scales. Like Hogan's totally like the heel here, um, at least in my opinion. They get in the ring, and Paul wants to start against Stud and tells Hawk to get out. Um, Orndorff pulling off a sunset flip and hip toss on Stud visually was very, very impressive. Uh, Bundy misses a splash on an avalanche, and um, uh, Orndorff punches away at Bundy. Cocky Orndorff whiffs on a stud slam, but drop kicks both big uh, big men, and crowd goes absolutely nuts as he tags Hogan in. Hogan gets a body slam on stud, and again, the crowd goes nuts, and Paul seems pissed off at this. Uh, there's an atomic drop to stud and clothesline, um, but and stud comes back with a clothesline of his own. The heels double clothesline to Hogan, and then Bundy with a slam. 
Um, and then Hogan does his comeback, uh, but um, Hogan falls back at one point after he does a headbutt to stud and knocks Paul off the apron. At that point, the heels beat up Hogan and push the ref out of the way and is immediately DQ. Paul on the apron acts hurt, but eventually comes in and fights the heels off. He picks up Hogan. And then the moment that is like, this is a big moment, like for wrestling history, by the way, he clotheslines Hogan when he picks him up, does a sick pile driver. Vince and Bruno sell this like it's the worst thing of all time. Um, and again, it's the first heel turn uh, ever from a friend on Hogan, of, one of many, by the way. Uh, the heels come back in, but ultimately Hogan is saved by the U.S. Express of Dan Spivey and Mike Rotundo and other heels and other faces like um, C.B. Afi um, and the heels bail. So again, this set off a six-month feud that ended with a fantastic steel cage match in January 87 that had that whole instant replay controversy. The heels all praise Orndorff in the back, including Adrian Adonis and Orton and, um, and others as crowd chants Hogan. Uh, and in the back, everyone chants wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So a really an amazing moment in history. Truly great feud that made a tons of money. And this match was good. So with the match and the angle, I actually went three and a half. This is an all-timer. So Logan, I'll go to you first. What do you think of this? Yeah, I went three on it as well. I thought it was just really well, all, all well, uh, done very well. I'm stumbling there. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've been hanging out with you too much, Sean. I'm stumbling. It's all right, I'm man. Just it's all right. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Um, but I, I was glad to see uh, – glad we got to see some WWF so we could teach these territory jamokes how it's done. <laughs> uh, only kidding. Um, but yeah, I, I love the whole story throughout the match and uh, kind of how it was slowly dwindling away that Orndorff was kind of tired of Hogan's shit, which I don't blame him at all. He kind of deserved to get his ass kicked because he was kind of being a dick to him. So, um, but yeah, this pile driver was sick. The clothesline was sick. Uh, I, I just like the whole 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 presentation here. I thought it was really well done. Um, and Orndorff uh, is headed to a big feud with Hogan, so um, uh, this, this was a really big launching off point for the whole thing. So, really enjoyed it. All right, Colin. Um, I haven't. I have just noticed. I've not isolated the match because I think I was taken in more by the, by the by the angle. Um, I've never I've never quite. It's never quite clicked to me that sort of you have the you have the Great American Bash '86, the legendary Great American Bash '86 in the summer, but you also have this happening. It never quite clicked that they were they were they were happening at exactly the same time. You get two massive. That's like, why it shocked me when I found it. I didn't feel that way either. So you're right. No, you see, you get two massive things happening in in, in both companies. Um, the match was as, as good as you'd expect to be given the, the four men involved. Um. Hogan with the Jimmy Valiant seizure sale after the pile driver, but it's at least justified because it was a disgusting pile driver. Um, and I did like the Orndorff get, like going into the heel locker room and being welcomed with open arms by everybody, especially Adrian Adonis. I um, was particularly happy to see him. Um, but yeah, I think the whole thing was was expertly done, um, even to the bit where. Orndorff looks like he's desperate for the tag, but somehow makes himself shorter, makes his makes his reach shorter by I, I, as he was as he was reaching out because he was he was it was just obviously act, acting like he was desperate for the tag. But yeah, I think the whole thing was just the whole thing was 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 masterful. All right, uh, and Chip, close us out. I will say, you know, I read about this. But Orndorff, Orndorff comes off as like a 16-year-old girl 
be like, you missed her phone call. And she's like, why didn't you pick up? And he's like, yeah. you know. Okay, hey, real quick, though. You didn't think Hogan was a total cocksucker and how he acted and reacted in this? That's what really set me off is Hogan's kind of a dick to him. At certain – not really with that, but I thought he was a dick when Orndorff came out first and Hogan, like, throws his elbow – throws his shoulder into him to get in front of him. Didn't know if you noticed that when he was initially coming out. Yeah. Yeah, that's more of what I took. But, like, Orndorff, you know, he knew something was coming. I will say Orndorff looked like a star at the very beginning. Um, like, he did the hip toss to stud. Bundy came in and missed the avalanche. And, like, you know, he had a nice drop hit to stud and Bundy. You know, he tried to slam stud, but he couldn't. I loved Hogan and stud just dropping bombs with each other. And then – um. You know, they double team on Hogan and Paul doesn't even come in at all. And then Paul gets bumped and like, you know, he's like, oh, looks like he's selling his eye. We get a DQ finish, whatever. I didn't even hear the bell ring. But uh, Paul turning on Hogan with a clothesline and then with a sick pile driver. It was awesome. I went three and three quarters for everything. It was 11 minutes, but they told so much story more than Flair and Morton did in like 33. Yeah, so again, it puts us here because it's such a big moment in time. And this set off like kind of the WWF model for years and years to come in terms of these big Hogan feuds. So like Colin said, you didn't put two and two together and think, wow, this happened at the same time as Dash 86. And I think WWF, just this one simple angle kind of outshined a lot of what we talked about over the last two pods. So very interesting dynamic. So with that, that closes out July 86. A very disappointing one for us, for most of us, and probably for most wrestling purists. Probably not going to be the most popular two podcasts we've done, but I also feel like we were on the same page and did our due diligence in talking about it. So all we can do now is look forward to August and see what happens in August 86 and see what happens on the Build the Starcade 86. Now the bash is out of the way. The one, their one big summer event's over out. Let's see how they do building to the rest of this year. So before we go, Colin McDougall, anything you would like to plug? Uh, yes, just um, the special relations uh, are either coming back or have come back by the time you by the time you listen to this after our escapades in Cardiff, um, and I am one of three voices on uh, Wrestling to Chicken Salad and Starflation podcast, which look at the good and the not so good of professional wrestling. All right, excellent. Uh, Shift. Yeah, it can be found on uh, Seven Months of Danger with uh, Logan, uh, Sean, and Souza on the No So Feed. We're going over the seven months that the Dangerous Alliance ruled wrestling with an iron fist. Uh, you can find me on PTB and YouTube Roulette on this feed with uh, Logan, Sean, Souza, and Jake. You're finding a, um, a theme with that. And I can be found on Twitter at Scott underscore Shufflet. All right. And Logan. Um, the only thing that hasn't been mentioned that I'm on is uh, Highway to the Impact Zone. Uh, we're going 2000, 2005. At uh, this p- point, this pod comes out. We'll probably be at uh, Turning Point or the show just after Turning Point. So we're going to get coming to a close of 2005. So, um, you know, Christian Cage, Christian Cage just came in on, on our pod. So uh, it'll be nice to see where he goes from uh, where we are at this point and uh, kind of see, see what he does at that show. So um, looking forward to kind of trudging on through the rest of 2005 and getting to 2006. Yeah, I really enjoyed the Gen- Genesis show. Um, mm, that was a good that was a good one to be on. It was really good, and the Christian Cage thing was pretty great. Uh, I'm on the same pods that have already been mentioned, um, the Seven Months in Danger on those. So 
um, is my secondary one that we put a lot of emphasis on. And then I try to guest star beyond when I can be on uh, due to time constraints. Uh, Logan, um, I appreciate you being with us on the last four episodes. I venture to say after these last two, it'll probably be a long time before you want to come <laughs> back and watch some cracker wrestling. Uh, but now anyway, I want to come back immediately so I can watch some good stuff. <laughs> oh, well, well, let's see how August plays out and I'll let you know how I feel about it before I make you do it again. But no, uh, at, at least you got the, the, um, the greatness of the June build and, uh, Colin, I was very glad to have you back on. Um, hopefully you can join us again in August. I know that you got stuff going on too with work and everything. So, uh, we all try to be on when we can, but real life takes shape, but I do appreciate everybody who listens and, uh, look forward to being with you again in two weeks when we start talking about uh, part one of August of 1986. We'll talk to you guys then. Good night. On a warm summer's evening, on a train bound for nowhere, I met up with a gambler. We were both too tired to sleep, so we took turns of staring out the window at the darkness. Boredom overtook us And he began to speak He said, son, I've made a life Out of reading people's faces And knowing what the cards were By the way they held their eyes So if you don't mind my saying I can see you're out of aces For a taste of your whiskey I'll give you some advice so I handed him my bottle And he drank down my last swallow Then he bombed a cigarette And asked me for a light And the night got deathly quiet And his face lost all expression Said if you're gonna play the game, boy You gotta learn to play it right You got to know when to hold them Know when to fold them Know when to walk away And know when to run You never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting When the dealing's done Every gambler knows That the secret to surviving Is knowing what to throw away Knowing what to keep Cause every hand's a winner And every hand's a loser And the best that you can hope for Is to die in your sleep And when he finished speaking He turned back toward the window Crushed out a cigarette Faded off to sleep And somewhere in the darkness The gambler he broke even but in his final words, I found an ace that I could keep. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. You never count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough for counting. When the deal is done, you got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them Know when to walk away And know when to run You never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting When the dealing's done You got to know when to hold them 
No wind to 